0: It is a Thursday! It is June 15th, 2023, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the Brandon's World Podcast, one of the fastest growing sports media podcasts. i a young podcaster out there like myself, and believe it or not, it's a time where the NBA season just ended, It's a time where NFL mandatory minicamp is happening, And it's time where baseball is in full swing. And it's time where wrestling is about to eat up. We got money in the bank. Coming up in two weeks from London, we have a lot of NFL stories to get to today along with, as I promised, the way we're going to kick off this show is the way that I teach the end of Tuesday's show, that being my now top NBA players with a little bit of a twist. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at BrandonLowe's underscore seven. You can follow the show at Real underscore B-World. We are in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live. We are available on all audio and video podcasting platforms. We come to you with news, the biggest stories in sports, every Tuesday and Thursday. Folks, before the NBA playoffs, I had said the top 10 NBA players. I listed them in order from number 10 for number one. Number nine on my list is the most recent NBA Finals MVP, Nikola Jokic. I said I needed to see Nikola Jokic. Prior to the NBA bubble, he never got to a Western Conference Finals. Before this season, he never got to an NBA Finals. And at times this postseason, it looked like Jamal Murray was the guy on the night for the Denver Nuggets when Nikola Jokic disappeared, specifically in the Lakers' series game two and three, which, again, shockingly, as I mentioned on Tuesday, the Lakers took Denver uh, to four very pivotal games. A lot closer games than what Miami or Phoenix or even Minnesota took Denver, and yet Denver ended up winning all four of those games. So I think it is undisputed universally that Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. But as I have said, as we have dove into the NBA now on this podcast over the last two months, there is so much talent in the NBA nowadays, it's really hard to determine who are the best players in the NBA. And the more I thought about it, it's really hard for me now after watching the postseason and taking into account things like injuries and personal issues. Uh, Because when I did my list prior to the postseason, I was not talking about postseason success. I was not talking about health. I was not talking about, you know, issues off the field. I was just saying in a draft, if everybody was equal, if everybody was healthy, etc., this was NBA 2K with no injuries on, These would be my top 10 players that I would take in a blacked off game, if you will, in the NBA. This list is going to be a little bit different. This list is based off injuries. It's based off recent slash historic postseason success. Uh, It's based off mood swings, culture, attitude. Are you a franchise guy? And it got me thinking. I sat back and I thought, and I said, you know, I know on Tuesday's podcast, I promised all the fans of the Brands World Podcast, I was going to come out and redo my top eight NBA players. But then I thought, well, you know, once you get to about seven, eight, nine, ten, this guy or that guy, you can make an argument for about eight or nine, maybe five or six, who knows? of that kind of 7 through and sweet spot uh, in the NBA. So I thought, to me, there are really only 5 and you can make a real case for 6 or 7 and I'll give you the case for the other two once I reveal the five. But there are, in my opinion, in today's day and age, only 5 true NBA superstars. Because we throw out the word superstar a lot. Some people were calling Jimmy Butler a superstar. Uh, Jimmy Butler is not absolutely a superstar. By superstar, I mean, are you productive for 82 games a year? Do you miss a lot of games due to injury? Do you lead your team? Are you undoubtedly the number one option? Are you available? Are you a good culture guy? Are you a leader? And are you that guy that can carry a team to a championship. And obviously, we all need role players to produce. But when push comes to shove, could you put up 45 every single night in a postseason, you know, gauntlet, uh, if you add to to lead a team? That is the definition of superstar. And I believe that there are only five. There's a lot of great number twos in this league, but there are only five quote unquote number ones in the NBA. Starting with number five. This player was initially, when I did my top 10 list, the number two best player in basketball. Now he's at the number five spot. That is Joel Embiid. Listen, I love Joel Embiid. You all know, I've said recently I would take him over Nikola Jokic. Maybe not now because the performance Nikola Jokic put on in this postseason, but Joel Embiid is such a dominating presence under the glass. He can shoot. He can rebound. uh, He can facilitate. Not as well as Jokic, but he can facilitate. He's a proven leader. Uh, I don't blame Joel Embiid necessarily for the recent meltdowns the last couple of years. Obviously, Ben Simmons against the Hawks. This year, they were a 3-2 against Boston. Could not close out the deal because it's a Doc Rivers, it's a James Harden, it's a Sixer thing. But Joel B did not play well in Game 7. Uh, I thought his best playoff series overall was the 2019 year against the Toronto Raptors when Kawhi Leonard just went ding, 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 ding in Game 7 and made the luckiest shot in the history of basketball, to put away the Sixers. I thought that was Joel Embiid's year to prove that he could have potentially been the best player on the planet. Uh, That obviously did not happen. He's been sick and hurt and sick and hurt, and he has missed playoff games. So a little bit of a durability issue there with Joel Embiid. But when it comes to winning a championship, he has not been the issue. Uh, I still think the Sixers lacked Allen. Behind Boston, behind Milwaukee, they need a true number two. James Arden is not a true number two. And I don't think Tyrese Maxey is yet. You know, a guy like Damian Loward, who's been on the trade block, even a Chris Paul, I think, with his leadership, could bring Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid is a number one. I think Embiid can be your best player on a championship team. The hell worries me a little bit because he will miss games because of his size, though, and because of his dominance. JoJo is, without a doubt, still a top five player in the game and is a number one option. Now, number four. This may be controversial, but at number four, I have the guy who I had been speaking the volumes of over the last two years and the guy who I previously said was the best player in the NBA, that being Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes, I have dropped Giannis from one to number four over this postseason season performance alone because flat out, if you look at Giannis' career, and a lot like Nikola Jokic prior to the Bucs winning that 2021 NBA championship, I was not giving Giannis his flowers. I said he was about 7th or 8th of the best player in the world, not number one. I needed to see him go through the Gauntlet run and go through Miami and go through Brooklyn uh, and go through Phoenix and win that NBA championship. And he was absolutely dominant in the NBA Finals, a lot like Nikola Jokic was. Yet over the last couple years, when Chris Middleton has not been on the court, the Bucks are not the same team. Uh, and I don't care if Giannis was hurt for two games in that Heat series. Losing to the Heat in five. Especially with Giannis being back in game four and game five. And the one win Milwaukee out of the series was game two without Giannis. Yes, that absolutely does devaluate Giannis. And there are guys that sometimes go on this run they get breaks. And let's be honest. We would view Kevin Durant differently potentially if that toenail was not on the line when he was in Brooklyn in Game 7 against the Bucs, which by the way, those three games, Game 5, Game 6, Game 7, 2021, outside of the games in the finals he played with Steph Curry and all those guys in Golden State against Cleveland in those two finals, those three games may have been the best three games Kevin Durant ever played. Because without Kyrie Irving, without James Arden, uh, Durant was able to essentially carry Brooklyn to that moment in Game 7. But I do not believe at this point that, you know, we should be giving Giannis as much. Because there are better players in the league, I think, at this point, that can carry their teams rather than Giannis. Which is why I do have him at number 4. Number 3 ladies and gentlemen i have steph curry and listen i know he's 34 years old and i know golden state was really beat up going into this postseason but if you watch golden State throughout the regular season and it was really clear the year before uh obviously golden state won without kevin Durant. so curry did not win that finals mvp steph curry needed to win at least one finals mvp where he was the best player on the court, and he did that in 2022 against Boston, and ever since Kevin Durant left Golden State. Since Steph Curry has been healthy, Golden State outside of this year has been perennial championship contenders. Curry might be the best point guard of all time if you look at his credentials. They're right up there with Magic Johnson. Obviously, Magic Johnson, 6'9", point guard, could ask, could shoot, plays the game a lot like LeBron, transformed basketball. Steph Curry has transformed basketball with his three-point shot. A lot of guys like Trey Young uh, are are emulating Steph, and Steph Curry has basically made it to you have to have five shooters on the court at one time in today's NBA. So Steph is a proven leader, Uh, i.e. has been the leader of the Golden State Dynasty, even with Durant there. You could clearly tell Durant was the best player at that time. That Golden State needed Durant to overcome LeBron, the Kevin Love, the Kyrie Irving, and even then just the LeBron and Kevin Love a Cavalier team in 2018. But you could always tell that Steph was the head of the snake. And when Steph wasn't getting anything going, when he wasn't passing, when he wasn't assisting, Golden State was beatable if Steph got going. Uh, that was the difference, and I give Steph Curry all the credit in the world for, again, overcoming all those naysayers like myself that said he never had a Finals MVP to be able to carry Boston. I said it at the time last year, go look it up that Game 4 when Golden State, Steph scored, I believe, over 40 points. They were down 2-1 to one against Boston. That was a Steph Curry defining legacy game and showed to me that he was indeed that guy now number two this may be a shock to all you but I believe the number two best player in the world right now is LeBron James I know he was at number three on my list I don't think LeBron is still the best player in the world but yeah when I watch these guys right when I watch your Steph Curry's when I watch your Giannis's when I watch your OMB I don't see killer instincts still like I see LeBron at age 38. And people can say all they want about LeBron got tired against Denver and yada, yada, yada. The now league's all-time leading scorer basically dominated the first two rounds of these playoffs. He took apart a young Memphis team that just has a lot of issues, obviously, on their hands. Uh, Took apart a Golden State team that was injured and battered. And then again... Went to four very close games with Denver where he did not close game four. And I acknowledge that he was bad late down the stretch. But there were times where the Lakers defense could not get stopped. Uh, Anthony Davis is not engaged 100%. And again, LeBron at age 38 anymore cannot carry a team to a championship. I believe the guy we're going to talk about at number one may be the only guy in today's NBA that can carry a team to a championship. But at age 38, the Lakers aren't even, I believe, a playoff team with just Anthony Davis and no LeBron. LeBron is truly a difference maker because of his leadership, because of his intangibles, and because of his playmaking ability. Now, he can go off in stretches like he did in the first half of Game 4 against Denver. It's not as consistent. Uh, I still thought he had a better second round series against Steph, which is why I said LeBron versus Steph would determine who is the second and third best player in the world, I believe, and I said it at the time in that second round series, so... Lakers won. I thought LeBron had a little bit of a a better series. I thought Anthony Davis had a really good series in that situation. So we give it there to LeBron. And then at number one, obviously now, after winning that finals MVP, the man that arguably carried the Denver Nuggets to a championship, just ran through Phoenix, ran for the Lakers, ran for the Heat, and were right out of the time. Nikola Jokic, who again couple months ago, I had him in my top 10, though not in my top 5. I had to see it a lot like Giannis two years ago. A lot like a lot of people had to see it with Kevin Durant when he went to Golden State and won those two championships. Nikola Jokic is indeed a superstar. He is the number one option. If you were building a team around somebody today, I would pick Nikola Jokic number one. Now, the other two guys... That are not on this list that I said could potentially be. One is Luka Dantage. Obviously, we know two years ago what Luka Dantage did, but Jalen Brunton had an incredible game seven against Phoenix. And then my big knock against Luka is not necessarily injuries because I think Luca is a great player. He could average a triple dome on the first half, all that. He's fantastic. But when you go from the four seed, to the 11th seed, just with the addition of Kyrie Irving, which, again, Kyrie Irving is a very toxic player. Um, But when that happens, I have to knock Luca down a couple of eggs, and I don't think he is a number one. I don't think at this point you can win a championship with Luka Doncic being the superstar, the number one option on your team until he matures, uh, I don't think a Steph Curry, I don't think a Jokic, I don't think a LeBron, I don't think an Embiid, I don't think a Giannis would melt down with Kyrie Irving on their team. We've seen Luka need a running mate. As I've said, everybody obviously needs a running mate. Jokic needs Jamal Murray. Uh, we know Kevin Durant needs a running mate. We know LeBron needs AD. We know Steph needs a little bit of help whether it's from Clay or Draymond or Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins. So I acknowledge that. The difference is, again, those guys still get their teams to the playoffs in a Western Conference where Minnesota was not that good. uh, New Orleans, in my opinion, was not better than Dallas. OKC was not better than Dallas. It was a major meltdown by Luka Doncic. And again, it knocks him down to the point where I don't know if he is truly a superstar. I think he's really close. I think he's the closest thing you can get from a star to a superstar. But we got to see him make a finals and lead the team. I want Nikola Jokic to be in that group, in my opinion. The other one shockingly, way that I'm going to take out here of the superstar category is Kevin Durant. Because Kevin Durant has only won two championships. They were both with Golden State. And I don't know if Kevin Durant is that leader. A lot like you, Luca. I don't know if he can lead a team by himself to a championship. The closest he got was Brooklyn in 2021. Again, if his foot wasn't on the line, they'd probably beat Giannis. We look at Giannis differently. We look at Kevin Durant differently. Who knows? Maybe Brooklyn goes on to win the championship. But what I do know is Kevin Durant loved Russell Westbrook in OKC, which I always defended because you cannot win a championship if your name is Russell Westbrook. And I've said that now for the last decade, Russell Westbrook is very talented, cannot win a championship with his style of play. Uh, Then he ended up teaming up with Kyrie Irving and James Arden. And when the rubber meets in the road with Kevin Durant, when things get tough, he leaves. Now it seems like Phoenix is about to get rid of Chris Paul. There's a lot of coaching changes going on. You know, Monty Williams out. Bring Bogle in. You know, he sparred a lot with Steve Kerr, who is one of the top five coaches in basketball. He wanted Steve Nash and then he fired him in Brooklyn. So Kevin Durant seems to think he's LeBron a lot, where he likes to run the show, likes to get his own players, but it never works out. Unlike LeBron, who wins everywhere he goes, whether it be Cleveland, Miami, back to Cleveland, and then the Lakers, Kevin Durant has only won one place and that being Golden State, and he's only gotten to one of the finals, that being OKC in 2012, where they won the first game and then got basically swept after that by LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Botch, and that Hedos team. So, Joran, I don't know if he can by himself. He may be the best number two of all time, but I don't know if by himself he is a one, uh, and I don't think at this point Luka Doncic as well is a one. They both need to prove it. Guys like Damian Lillard, I think is, again, a really talented two. Anthony Davis, really talented two. In my opinion, Jason Tatum, a really talented two. Does not add that dog, that drive in him. Uh, John Morant with his personal issues and his life. Like, you can't really trust him and everything that's going on with him. Jimmy Butler, I think if you put... A step, a yogage, that with a Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler could be the best number two again. There are so many talented players in the league, but there are only five guys that have that dog in them, that have that guy in them that you can trust, that they will give you the same amount of input every single night. And they're great leaders. They're good clubhouse leaders. They manage things. They are real leaders of men, and they can be the number one leader To a championship team. Keyword there being leaders. I've said that end times. That being obviously Joel Embiid. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Steph Curry. LeBron James. And then number one on my list of the top five superstars in the NBA. Nicola Yo. Oh mentioned, we shockingly do have a lot of NFL news to get to today. And we're going to start off with this guy here on my left of my virtual background if you're watching on YouTube. That being one, Stephon Diggs. Because irreportably yesterday was in Buffalo, showed up for Bill's mandatory minicamp, took his physical, and then walked out of the building and did not come to mandatory minicamp. Josh Allen and Von Miller are on record saying that uh, Stefan Diggs wants to be a part of the team. Josh Allen said it is not a contract situation. It is a personal issue. And he also said that the Bills do not communicate properly. Ooh, that is a mouthful. And for a June issue in minicamp in the NFL, that is never good. As I have always said, noisy, loud talking issues in the building in june not showing up to otas which again i love the nfl it is my favorite sport you guys know we spend basically september through you know may through the schedule we've all things football whether that be the season free agency the draft the schedule release now, this is the time of the year where, again, I don't want talking about preseason football. It's why we take our hiatus in August because preseason football should be used for the third and fourth stringers. It should not be used for us to overthink or or underthink what a team is going to do this season. Mostly, you get most of your inks out in training camp uh, and obviously in these mandatory OTAs here in June. If you are a team that you know, was just short uh, of going to the AFC Championship. If you want to get hungry, uh, or, you know, in the case of an Aaron Rodgers, if you bring in a big-time free agent, I believe that OTAs do matter. I think you have to be there. I think staying quiet, good chemistry, being humble, I think all of that matters. This is a troublesome issue for the Bills. We saw it come up last year in the divisional round against Cincinnati, Diggs was screaming on the sideline. He only had 40-something yards in the ballgame. Uh, Buffalo has been a mess. And I said this about the Bills, and a lot of people gave me a lot of pushback on it. At the end of last season, I would have fired Sean McDermott. Um, I have said I think offensive coaches are very adapt to today's NFL which is all about offense. You can say what you want about defense wins championships. We have defensive head coaches like Sean McDermott, Bill Belichick, and Mike Tomlin that are absolutely tone-depth to the offensive position of football and giving teams multiple weapons. I have never believed in that cliche, oh, you could have too many weapons. If you are an unselfish football player, you won't care if you catch them all two times a game if you are winning. Uh, if you have a lot of weapons in football, it's very hard for the defense to stop you because in football, we use this thing called motion where we can dictate pre-snap and post-snap and the good teams do it. Nowadays, they use a lot of modern concepts, shotgun motion, get the toe of the defense, runner pass, RPO, do all these different things to trick the eyes of the defense. Uh, and Josh Allen, as you know, I'm in love with him. I think he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL. I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks I have ever seen. But sometimes, as I mentioned, Josh Allen can be a little erratic. Uh, and last year, he turned the ball over way too much, and I think a lot of that has to do with the new offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Obviously, we saw what Brian Dable did for the Giants with Daniel Jones really settle them down, condense the playbook, and Daniel Jones, get paid $40 million, and it's Daniel freaking Jones, who I'm sorry will never be able to win a playoff game outside of the Minnesota Choke Job Vikings, I believe. Uh, but it sounds like this Devon Diggs issue is not a contract issue, I don't know what's going on, I don't know if for some reason he does not want to play for John down anymore, it is very trouble in paradise in Buffalo. Uh, now, stuff Diggs' contract, from what I understand from what Ian Ravaport was saying on, on NFL Network, it sounds like Diggs' contract is structured, so it's basically impossible for him to be trained. It sounds like Diggs wants to be a bill, according to all accounts. He wants to be a bill. We don't know what the personal issues are. Uh, Buffalo may be interested in DeAndre Hopkins, who we're going to get to here in a second, which as much as I love Gabe Davis, again, I think the addition of DeAndre Hopkins and their tight end, Dalton and Dawson Knox, uh, giving Josh Allen more weapons to work with and giving the offense more weapons. Their defense is already good enough. Their biggest issue on defense last year was they missed Von Miller. If Von Miller is healthy again this year, and Buffalo can get this offense back on track, and Diggs is happy, and they can go into this season, you know, focused and ready to win a Super Bowl. Buffalo may be one of the most lethal teams in the NFL, and they have just as good of a chance as anybody in the AFC to come out and represent that gauntlet of a conference in the Super Bowl. But if this stuff continues, uh, and Diggs doesn't show up again to training camp or he posts cryptic messages, on on Instagram, which I never like. Uh, This could be trouble for Buffalo, and I'm being serious when I say this. As good as Miami is, which I think Miami is one of the most improved teams in the league this year, this incident right here, believe it or not, could cause Buffalo the division. In our last segment on today's show, we're going to be talking the one, the only Aaron Rodgers, because there is a report out there. I'm going to address this real quick. The New England Patriots tried to get in on one Aaron Rodgers. Once they found out the Jets were interested, they tried to call Green Bay and make a deal for the former number 12. And Aaron said, I will not play for New England, which is very interesting because I always thought Aaron Rodgers and Bill Belichick had a close relationship. I always thought Aaron Rodgers wanted to play with Bill Belichick in the shadow of Tom Brady. But that is apparently not the case. Aaron Rodgers wanted to go to the Jets, play with Nathaniel Hackett, play with those young weapons in in Garrett Wilson, Brees all play with that young defense. What by Sauce Gardner, the corner. And to be honest, it makes sense because what did we say when Green Bay lost Devonte Adams? They had a lot of rookies, they had a lot of young talent. They did not have a lot of weapons for Aaron Rodgers to work with. New England, very similar situation, right? Good defense. Uh, Not a lot of weapons to work with, whether it be a receiver or tight end. They do have a very good offensive line. They do have a very good run game. But Aaron Rodgers knows, man, the Jets seem to be a quarterback away. How good the Dolphins are with Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and those weapons, along with Jalen Ramsey, they added with, with Byron Jones. And Jalen Thompson and Vic Vangio, the new defensive coordinator on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously, Buffalo with that tremendous secondary and their weapons that now feature a great tight end in Dalton Kincaid. And we talked about Stefan Diggs uh, and his situation a little bit earlier in the podcast. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Aaron in New England would, would to me, not make any sense because unlike the Jets, New England is more than a quarterback away. They are weapons away. They're a little bit older on defense. I think they need to get younger on the defensive line outside of Judon and get more pass rush, where, again, we saw the Jets win seven games last year with a disaster in Zach Wilson, Mike White, uh, and just terrible quarterback play. They had three different quarterbacks, with like Joe Flacco, was also a quarterback at one point for the Jets last year. So Aaron sees that. I think Gerald Wilson has a chance to break out and be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL this year from all accounts at Jets camp. The Jets are loading up. Again, I'm not sure the Jets are a playoff team with all that's going on in the AMC. When you still have Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland, Jacksonville, uh, obviously the Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, Bills, Dolphins, Etc., there's only seven teams that make the playoffs. Uh, and one of you know, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Erber, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, um, you know, Josh Allen, one of those guys, Tuba, is not going to make the playoffs. So it's a crazy AFC, but I find it interesting that uh, Aaron Rodgers said no to New England, and again, I think he made the right choice, I'm really excited to see what the Jets do this season, they're one of the most fascinating watches in the league. So that'll do it for today's edition of the Brands World Podcast, a lot of NFL stuff today, a lot of news happening, even in June in the NFL, plus we, again, the top five superstars in the NBA nowadays, I believe, is Joel Embiid is under the Kumpo, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic with essentially Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant leaking right behind him uh, as kind of six and seven. Who knows? Is Jamal Murray a top ten player in the NBA? I think that's a legitimate debate, especially when you talk about guys like Jason Tatum. Uh, John Morant, Damian Lower, these guys that either have issues off the court or who I do not think have that dog in them to be that guy. Uh so what an interesting conversations coming about again. This is June 15th. This is the Well, I guess on this Thursday. I appreciate it. We'll be back with any sports news that drops over the weekend on Tuesday. And peace.